What's up, my Uncommon friends? Thank you for joining this episode of the Uncommon Podcast. We have a cool episode for you today. Brett was able to sit down with Aaron Rask, who is a very successful youth coach and a competitive personality. Um, Aaron works in the finance industry, and they wanted to sit down and discuss winning and some of the surrounding components of winning uh, at all different levels, uh, both in business and in their in your personal life, maybe in uh, your athletic achievements. Um, there's some really great stuff in there, so we hope you enjoy the episode. We've officially gone over 1,200 downloads thanks to our listeners. Please continue to share the new episodes when they drop, along with the old episodes with those that you think can either benefit from it or would like to hear it. We would love uh, the support and for you to keep sharing the show with those that you care about. As always, reviews, good or bad, are greatly appreciated. And if you like the show, please subscribe on the platform of your choice. Um, That way you know when new episodes drop the day that they drop. With that, let's get into the show. Everybody. Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast with B-Pop and Duff. Uh, we're going to switch it up on you a little bit today. Uh, it's B-Pop here. I'm with a good friend of mine, uh, Aaron Rask, and we're going to talk about some uh, business building principles. But before we do that, we start off every episode with a shout out and thank you to all of our first responders and frontline workers. So military, firefighters, EMTs, uh, doctors, nurses, and a special thank you to all the active duty uh, military and veterans that serve our great country. Without you guys, uh, we could not do what we do. So we want to Uh, send out our appreciation as best as possible. Also, with this podcast, we're trying to grow it. So if you find value in what we're talking about, please subscribe, please share it. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce uh, our guest here today, Mr. Aaron Rask. How you doing, Aaron? Unstoppable, man. Great Uh, to be here. Thanks for having me. uh, You bet. Unstoppable, huh? Like that. Yeah, it's always been my word, right? Ever since you met me, what, 10 years ago? Something like that. Right? Ever yeah, since t- that first one-on-one meeting at a, at a Starbucks up there on Herm Ford. <laughs> so, when I told you I wasn't going to refer you until I knew you. Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't refer me any business or anything. So I took that as a challenge, I think, right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> now yeah. look at us now. Seemed to work out. <laughs> Seemed to work out. Well, um, Aaron, for those folks out there listening that don't know, you know, kind of, you know, your background and things like that, why don't you just kind of give us a little uh, brief overview of, you know, what it is you do, how you came to, to do what you do, that sort of thing. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, name's Aaron Raspin, a financial advisor on my own firm for the last about almost 11 years here in August. Um, my background, though, was actually being a teacher and a soccer coach. So I, I coached at a pretty high level for the top club, one of the top clubs here in Colorado, uh, their top team in their age groups and whatnot, and uh, was an eighth grade social studies teacher. Fortunately, had to leave that because of budget cuts and just everything that was going on between 2007 and 2010. Opened up my own financial firm um, in 2010 in August and uh, been running ever since then, I guess. Good deal. So going from uh, teaching in the public school system to financial planning or financial advising, that's a big change, right? So what, uh, what did you like about teaching and are you glad you're out of it? Oh, I'm so glad I'm out of it. You have no (laughs) idea. I think teachers might be, and I'm sorry if there's any teachers that are listening that may take offense to this, but teachers can be some of the most negative people that you could ever be around. And I remember that's unfortunate given that they're responsible for our youth coming up. I would agree with that. It's really tough. Sometimes the position that they're put into and when teachers get around that negativity, it kind of just feeds. I don't know if it happens in your business, if you have oh, yeah. mortgage brokers that get together and all of a sudden they just start bitching, bitching and, complaining. and complaining. Oh, misery loves company, man. Right. And so it, <laughs> it can become kind of negative sometimes. And, you know, um, 
and you're right, it is unfortunate because they're the ones educating the youth. And, and get, don't get me wrong, there are some phenomenal teachers there, you know, but they don't get the credit they deserve, the pay they deserve, the the backing, the support from the, I'll say, parents. Mm-hmm. They don't get that anymore. You know, right. it's sad. Right. So what brought you into financial advising? So kind of walk me through how you got into a sales career from being a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I got cut, I always had kind of an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, I always through. It was funny. Listen to your first podcast. I was in an MLM from the oh, ages okay. of eighteen to twenty-two. Gotcha. And so that's where I got a lot of education. You know? Oh, you get a crash course in sales, yeah. and not only sales but personal development. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading a book every other week, listening to a self-development tape. You know, putting myself out there, all that. And so mm-hmm. those principles I took. You know, from that multi-level, and was able to apply it to my financial advising, and it basically just helped create a good work ethic and great. You know, personal development, like we talked about. So, right. um, I would say, I, I would say, I love teaching. I love the kids, and, and I even said this uh, during my coaching career. I loved coaching soccer, and the best team to coach is an orphanage because you don't have to deal with the parents. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 <laughs> right. really the truth. You know, right? Why isn't my kid playing? Why doesn't my, my kid, kid play, play more? Yeah, the, the rose-colored glasses. You know, right. the parents and stuff, and just you know, it was always very difficult. You know, sure, sure. So, so one of the reasons I want to have you in today is, uh, you know, the, the title of this podcast is winning while others are participating. Right. And oh, we're talking yeah. about having a winning mindset in a participation award society. And I think a lot of the challenges that uh, are going on right now in society in general is because of this participation award that everybody is uh special. Everybody's equal. Everybody deserves the exact same things. And I, you know, although I do believe that there should be equality of opportunity, um, you're never going to have equality of outcome because you're never going to have equality of effort. Nope. Because of that participation or society. So uh, for those folks listening out here, I want Aaron to tell a story. So he and I were having drinks one day and he actually told me a story uh, about how he made his soccer team basically, I don't know if he made them throw a trophy away or something, but no, they had a choice. They, okay. Everybody always has a choice, right? So, right, so go to that story. So I was coaching, uh, you know, 13, 14 year old boys, soccer, uh, top level, first team, uh, highly competitive in a, in a very large tournament, you know, very, very prestigious one. And we were in the finals. We ended up losing uh, one to nothing. You know, and at the end, you know, you get second place medals, you know, and I have to do this little ceremony where I'm putting all these medals on the kids, shaking their hands and parents are taking pictures and stuff. And and I'll be honest, I was just I was really upset that we took second place because, you know, as you know, from me, I'm probably one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet, you know, cornhole, darts, pool. Any beer drinking game, <laughs> anything, anything does my business. Right, having kids, right, you know? right, <laughs> whatever works there. Right, um, but it, I, I get done, and we take this team picture, and there's this trash can right by where we were taking this picture, and I said, you know what, guy, the, the parents were asking for a speech for me, something like that. Right, that was I your said, Vince Lombardi moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I basically said, hey guys, you know, I'm very proud for every everybody did this, but this is what I think about second place, and I threw my medal in the trash, and I just walked away. <laughs> got a call from my director, you know, about an hour and a half later. Hey, Aaron, we got some parents that complained about you because I guess some kids threw their medals away. And I said, okay, well, that's good. I said, so wait, you actually did that? I said, absolutely. I did that. I hold a standard of wanting to be the best at the best and second place is not the best. And I don't feel we deserve a medal. Right. Next year we go into that same tournament. We're in the finals and all I went ahead and said, Hey guys, remember what we do with second place medals. And it, you know, I'll say it was a little bit of psychology that I was dealing with the kids, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we ended up winning three to one that that game and won the tournament. Right. And it's something that I'll never forget because it was something that I could hopefully instill in the kids that yeah, you know, I'm very proud for what you did, but let's strive to be the best no matter you know, in what we're trying to accomplish here. Right. And I think, you know, if we're talking participation awards for, you know, four-year-old T-ball, you know. Yeah, this wasn't not four-year-old right, T-ball. Right. This wasn't this wasn't knee kicker soccer. This wasn't, you know, uh, my daughter's gymnastics at five years old. You know what I mean? This is right. this, this a highly competitive state cup match, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think if we're talking, you know, participation awards for four-year-old T-ball and, you know, they hit the ball and they run to third base and they don't keep score and that sort of thing. I get that, right? Because you're trying to keep at that level, you're trying to teach kids the value of teamwork, you know, and you, you're teaching them other things uh, to propel them. But I think when you're when you're dealing with, you know, uh, early teenagers like you were, uh, there's no, it's no top gun thing. There's no points for second place. Yeah. And I'll put it this way. I think, putting that standard is teaching them other things as well. Right. You know what I mean? That, you know, when you get into the real world, you know, and we'll call it after high school or college or whatever, you are competing every day, whether you're in a sales job, a W2 job. Even in high be, school. Even in high school, you're competing. Right. And if you're not, I mean, I don't know about you. I remember every time you got your report card, you got your GPA, it said what you were out of your class. Right. 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 You know, I never paid attention to that because I didn't care in high school. Yeah, we didn't care in high school. Right. (laughs) But but now we take that to a different level Mm -hmm. every month or every week. We me and you and our businesses, we get a report that says this is what number you are against your peers. Right. I actually get online and look at that report weekly. I don't they don't send it to me. I just have figured out a way to find it. Oh, okay. And so I get on there weekly because I'm like, all right, I want to see what's, what's what. You know what yeah. I mean? And kind of because to me in my business, it's it's not that I'm competing with these other people. I guess I am in a way, but I'm competing with myself. Going, and, you, and you probably track your numbers where you were last year at this time compared to where you are now. Man, I got, know, I've, got right? so, I've got so many Excel. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm old school, right? So I have like these old Excel spreadsheets that I made when yeah. I first got in the business like 18 years ago. And uh, I track everything. Yeah. Like at the end of the month, I literally tally up everything and figure out, okay, well, here's where I'm at now. Here's where I was at last year. Like, what do I need to do to exceed? Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm really weird like that. I don't think that's weird. I and, think that's what a winner does because we keep score. Right. And I honestly, you know, in, in my business, I compete so much that even my passwords to get into my computers and stuff are my goals. Really? So that, you know what? Because that is an amazing idea. I've never thought because about that. Because for me, what I do is every time I open up a program that I got to enter a password in, that's my goal every time. That's it. You know what? Right there, if you don't find value in what you just said, talk, listen to this podcast, you aren't listening. Because right there is something that I can take away. Because I was using my kids' names, I'm going to be honest with you. you know? Oh, everybody does. Their you know first I mean? dog, yeah, all their that kid, stuff. the now street you grew up on. Your, pa- your password is being the goal you're achieving. Absolutely. How that, that just takes it to a new level. I never heard of that. I never thought of that, but that is something. Well, right think there. about it from the uh, the standpoint of like a vision board, right? People yeah. do vision boards because you're trying to visualize the tangible things that you want. And if the idea behind a vision board is, you know, if you put a car up there that you want, for example, right? Your mind is going to figure out a way. I, it's kind of like the secret, but I don't really believe in just if I think yeah. it, I'll get it, yeah. right? Like you have to take action to get these things. But it, it's no different, right? So if you put a car on a vision board, for example, um, your mind is your, – your brain is going to manufacture a way to accomplish getting that, Yeah. right? So it, no different with the password idea, right? Yeah. 
So I'm not going to tell anybody what my goal is because then I tell you my password. That's not yeah, going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> but but uh, internally, if I have to enter that multiple times a day, it's just a constant reminder. It's a constant head. reminder of that's what I got to hit. Yeah. That's what I got to hit on any given day. One of the best quotes I that was ever told to me by my mentor was, dream, never worry, lead, never follow. If you knew you couldn't fail, how big could you dream? Right. And I don't know about you, but my wife makes fun of me sometimes of it because it's kind of cheesy. It's not and cheesy I, at all. I tell I tell that to my kids after we say our goodnight prayers. That's the last thing they hear from me. Mm-hmm. Now, they might not understand it at five, six, two, and nine months old. But the idea that they can achieve anything if they put the work in and, and, and to not limit yourself on where you're at is something that I think is not being portrayed in today's youth. And not even in youth, but I mean in, as adults as well. Right. You know, how many times are you told that you can limit yourself? I can't do that because I just, you know, I'm limited in what that is. And they stop trying. They just participate. Right. Well, that's the idea. Right. So we're sitting here talking about, you know, the whole participation society thing. And I feel like we're trying to make everybody feel uh, good about themselves, everybody to feel equal. And I think, you know, we should obviously want to make, we, we don't want to purposely or intentionally go out and make somebody feel bad about themselves. Right. Like, no, that's not I, what this is here for. I, right. I get that. But we all, we also can't sit back and say, you know, you can sit on your couch and eat Doritos all day, all day long and you can, you, you, you can make the same level of income as somebody that goes out and hustles. That, yeah. That's not, that's, but that's not, not even realistic. Incomes. It, I'll put it this way. Same, same fulfillment. You know what I mean? Right. Because being successful doesn't have to be a monetary thing. No, you know absolutely I mean? not. It, successful I mean, relationships. I'll, successful. I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, for me, it started as a monetary thing going from a teacher to opening up my own financial advising firm. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of more freedom to spend time with my kids, to be with my wife and just be around them, you know? Right. And, and I think your priorities change as you, as you go through life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you mature and you try and figure that out. And, you know, that old saying, you know, you got to continue to be green and growing. You don't want to be there dead and dying. You know? Right. Right. And I think to have that, that winning mindset and, and never becoming complacent, complacency, that that's what I broke up with a girl because she said she wanted to be, be a, what was it? Content. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Content complacency. Yeah. Like if, can't it, handle that. No. I mean, if, if you sit there and me and Jenna had a conversation last year, we were at a golf tournament and uh, there were some people there and they were having a conversation about another, um, competitor of ours. Okay. And they were just saying how this person just kind of big timed him a little bit and really didn't give him the time of day and this and that. And I looked at Jen and I'm like, right there is something we cannot afford to have happen. Because yeah. what that tells me is that other person now, obviously this is one individual saying it. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend to know what the other person's dealing with, but it's the perception, right? But that perception is reality. That perception is reality for the person saying And, and let's be honest, they're talking negative talk about you, your business, your family, whatever, it spreads like wildfire. Why sometimes all the good things don't get spread around enough. Well, that's right. And so I I looked at my wife and I just said, Hey, you know, that's something that we have to be very cognizant of that we stay humble. Right now there's this fine line in, in, in the winning mentality in being, I like to say it's being cocky. Yeah. But humble at the same time. I'll say this. You always have to have a chip on your shoulder. You have to have something going there and to be, to, to make any type of success happen. Right. Okay. You have to be laser focused in what you're doing. And you sometimes have to be that cockiness, that, that almost narcissistic, almost something that just gives you that edge. Now you right. don't have to be like that all the time. 
You know right. what I mean? But when you get put into a competitive situation, you want to go ahead and make sure that you are portraying that even if it isn't normal. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. It not. does. You know? I, it does. And I think that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of my competitors think, man, he's, he's just a cocky asshole. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I have no problem with that, right? Because if you got to know me, you know that's actually not true. But I'm I'm conf- I'm cocky and confident to a point, but I'm probably one of the most humble people you'd ever want to meet because I know how easy it is to lose it. Absolutely. Or, or not necessarily lose it, but how easy it is to be complacent to where your business would start to decline because, oh, well, you're just, you know, the saying fat and happy or, you know, again, complacent, things like that. I never want to be that because I feel like once you are complacent, now you're just participating. Oh, you're just there. Right. You're just there. You're not, you might as well, you might as well get a, a 12th place ribbon in field day. Yeah. At that Is that point. good enough? That, you know, I don't know. 12th place ribbon out People of what? Give that, 13? I mean, you get that now though. You know what I mean? Right. Oh man. Yeah. My, Again, may, maybe if you're doing a kindergarten field day, maybe, but I got to tell you, I mean, um, you know, when my son gets to that age, it, I'm not, it's not going to be like, we're going to be riding them hard, but Hey, 12th place. Like what do we got to do to make, to get you, to get you into the top five? Because that is not okay. So, so it was Easter. We had an Easter egg hunt, right? And we had, you know, I, I have four kids, you know, and I had uh, their two cousins over and stuff and we were doing Easter egg hunt and my son's the oldest. But he was counting everybody's eggs and how many more eggs he got than the other kids. That's you know awesome. what I mean? And, and my wife is like, and oh, N- you know. Nico's got to be pretty competitive too, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, he's got four. He's, you know, fighting for attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Between four other kids. And I said, you know what? That's awesome. I, I took pride in that and said, listen, he wants to be the best in whatever it is he's doing. And right. I really enjoyed that, you know? Right. And I think, you know, being the best in whatever you do, you kind of, uh, I want to expand upon that statement you just made. You know, it's not just about work. It's not just about earning money. It's not, and you know, as they say, earning money, not making money. Yeah. We don't make money. We earn money. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you, you look at those situations and it's, it's about being the best at whatever it is you're doing at the moment, whether that you go to the gym and you you work your ass off as hard as you can at the gym for that hour that you're there, hour and a half that you're there, right? You're not scrolling your phone in between sets and, you know, shooting the shit with all the people at the gym, you know, right? So, like, are you doing – are you trying to strive to be the best at what you're doing at that moment, right? Yeah, living in the moment. When when And this is something I have a hard time with is when I'm, you know, with my wife and my son, you know, it's, you know – Five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon. You know, we're trying to feed him. We're trying to get him bathed, put him down for the night, this and that. And you know, my phone is still blown up. Oh, yours so, does that too. Oh, everybody gets <laughs> off work, man. So for me, the, the the one thing I struggle with, and I'm trying to be better at it, is that time that I'm there, I I'm just there, yeah. right? And I'm not paying attention to the phone. I'm not, you know, trying to respond to emails. If there's a disaster, guess what? That disaster is going to be there at six thirty. Yeah, seven o'clock. Yeah. Right. Well, and there's probably nothing you can do to change it that night anyways. Probably know? not. Probably Realistically, not. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, you know, you might be able to, to take control over something and, and get it fixed. But the reality of it is, eh, what, what's going to change in the next two hours? Yeah. Not a little hell of a lot. Right. Makes sense. Uh, now, part of this whole conversation is, you know, taking, I, I think what 
we talked on a prior episode was taking responsibility for everything in your life, right? Yeah, and accountability. I think accountability. And I think that bleeds into what we're talking about with a winning mindset, right? You you can have this cocky, confident winning mindset all day long, but if you're not taking accountability for things that you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, things that you're not doing, right? Are you going to allow your peer group or your mentor to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear? Right. And that's the biggest key there because everybody here, and I'll put it this way, you can read your name in the headlights, you know, in the stars and, you know, in the, in the sports clippings, whatever it might be. But until you go ahead and dive deep and say, okay, what could I have done better? What, what, how could I have had that client experience be better? How could that transaction have been better? How could that situation have been better? When you take a deep dive and look and to always look what's going on and say, Hey, oh my God, we had a problem right there. Guess what? That was my fault. I'm going to take responsibility for it and I'm going to correct it and we're going to find ways or create processes right. so that doesn't happen again. You just touched on a good point. I know we talked about this um, prior, honestly, quite a bit with, you know, folks that are are consistently winning. They try to make their processes um, as seamless as possible and consistent as possible, right? So in your business, do you have some sort of um, – protocol, if you will, that you run your clients through? Oh, absolutely. That you run every client through? Maybe absolutely. the same type of questionnaire, oh. the same type of, you know, even when you have the questionnaire, do you have like these same exact follow-up steps that you go oh, through? absolutely. And you know, and, and when we do that, not only do I know that, but my staff knows that. Mm-hmm. And I let the client know this is how I work. Right. Whenever I deviate from that, and it happened just the other day, it was a good buddy of mine, needed a 401k rolled over. I skipped a step. Okay. I skipped a step. And because of that, it caused some challenges. Right. You know, and because I didn't follow my process like I do every single time with someone that would have been referred to me or a long-term client or whatever, because I was like, oh, he's a buddy of mine. I can cut corners. Right. Right. And and, and everything's going to be fine. No, it just provided more work on the back end. And I said to myself, man, if I had just taken five minutes and just followed my process, Instead of trying to rush through it because he was a good buddy of mine, man, you know, and I, and I bet you it's the same with you. Well, this is the same with me. I have, it, I run every one of my clients through the exact same steps. I don't care if they're a family member. I don't care if it's a, a first time home buyer or a multi-million dollar luxury buyer. Right. Yeah. I run everybody through the same exact process. You know why? It frees up my headspace. What I mean by that is I never have to worry or wonder is a better way to put it where I'm at with that client on that transaction. Yeah. Right. With the same steps on every single client, I make notes in my calendars for different follow-ups and different things. I know exactly where I am with every single client at any moment because of that. Yeah. And what that does now is I'm not waking up at three in the morning going, Oh shit, I forgot to do this. Yeah. Oh crap. I forgot to send that email. Right. Or, oh, I, I don't, need that thing. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm waking up at two, three in the morning sometimes with a, an idea going, yeah, I'm going to make this better. <laughs> that, right. Maybe I should add this to my process. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, it's it, it and the process is nothing that is going to be set in stone. And what I mean by that is I'm always adding and kind of massaging that process a little bit. Right. You can't keep it stagnant because and let's just put it this way. When coronavirus hit. The, the mortgage brokers, the financial advisors, the, the real estate agents, the, all the business owners, 
we all had to adjust the way that we were doing business. Right. If we did not take a look at what we were doing and how we were functioning and how we were operating to the, our clientele, and we did not adjust, you sank in the ground. Well, you gotta you gotta right? meet your you gotta meet your client where they are. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying physically, maybe physically, right? Prior yeah. prior to COVID, it was physically. Yeah. But you know, it's it's it behooves every one of us professionals to meet our clients wherever they are in in their situation. Now, when, when I say that, we're still going to lead them down the same path, the same process Correct. internally, but we're going to do it in a manner that fits what they're trying to accomplish, right? What I mean is, you know, if I do, um, I don't like to get too much into my business on this podcast because it's not about yeah. business building. But, you know, if, if I'm dealing with a first time home buyer, there's a lot more things I need to tell that first time home buyer than I need to tell the the, the seasoned investor. Right. Yeah, the seasoned investor. Hey, this is second nature. They've done this before. First time home buyer has never done this. How can I be an educator and make sure that I don't skip a step? To where now they're confused going, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. And we're talking about various things, right? Like, you know, don't go buy a vehicle after yeah, you get a pre-approval, right? Like, I'm <laughs> Don't talk- rack up that credit card. <laughs> right. Like I'm talking basic type <laughs> stuff. But if you're not told, you just don't know. Yeah. Right. You don't think about it, right? Right. And the other thing, too, is by having a process, and and I'll ask you this, does it allow you to to do more business or or be oh, more productive oh absolutely and, and and like you said i mean basically being a winning mentality winners are always going to find processes and ways to make it so winning becomes easier does yeah, that make sense absolutely because the more you win and i'm talking about a true win meaning getting the gold ribbon or the blue ribbon or the first place prize being those true wins one that becomes addictive and i don't know if it becomes addictive to you Completely. But I love that feeling, whatever it is, being first or the best at what we are, what we're doing, whatever it might be. Right. And so when that becomes addictive, you're like, okay, I want to do that again. What do I need to do to get there? Because guess what? What I did before won't get me where I'm going. Okay. Right. Right. And so to be able to implement processes to free up that time and that mental space, like you said, to brainstorm ideas, how to be better is something that people don't take time to do. Right. Sometimes they get content with where they're at and what they want and they just stay where it is and they don't figure out what's going on. and then all of a sudden instead of being the best now they're almost the worst mm-hmm. and they look at themselves and say what wasn't what what happened i used to be so good at this you know well used to be so good because you got complacent you start cutting corners you cut, start skipping steps going i'm i'm good i don't need to do that whatever that is right maybe that is going to networking groups yeah Right. Maybe that's going to just do happy hours. You know, exactly. maybe, maybe, you know, you stop sponsoring a, a nonprofit at a gala or, or what, right. you know what I mean? That all comes down to, to being humble still. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what it is. It comes down to being humble and instilling that hustle. And, you know, again, we, we, we want to maintain that winning mentality Yeah. and being humble definitely does that. And, you know, here's a perfect example of someone being humble. Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, he comes out and uh, here's the deal. This guy, he probably love to hate him, man. <laughs> uh, not, not so much since he went to the bucks, but um, you know, this guy comes out with this like, ah, shucks mentality in this press conference, right? This, the, the most humble guy. Now, you mean to tell me he doesn't just bleed and, and, and exude just ooze confidence yeah. when he's on the football field. Oh, all the time. But for him, 
He has to have that confidence, but he keeps himself humble. I was talking to somebody, and they're like, yeah, because he doesn't make the bulk of the money in the household. His wife does. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Quite possibly. Yeah. I think when you're at that level, it probably don't matter. Yeah. You're right? like, whatever. You yeah, know? like, whatever. But, you know, and this is an extreme example, but the reason he has that aw shucks mentality when he's doing his press conferences is because that's what keeps him driven. Yeah. That's what keeps him humble. No different. Well, it's very different from you and I, but it's the same type. It's the same type of motivators and same attitude. Right. You know, yeah, I I I would say that that's a great example of of a winning mentality that you can never be complacent. He goes to a new place in Tampa, take you know, takes them from basically a non playoff team with basically the same roster. I would say, except for maybe Gronk. You know, Gronk, and I think they drafted a left tackle to help him out, right? Right. And now all of a sudden they're Super Bowl champions. Just taking that winning mentality. Well, that's no different than what Peyton Manning did here in the, oh, with the Broncos. Absolutely. You know, and I think you know what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the uh, the 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 steps that we take our clients through the process. If you talk to either one of those or listen to either one of them in an interview, it's all about the process. Yeah, it's all it's, about we. It's not about the, the it's not about the outcome. It's about the little things that you do every single day. It's your process. And what makes you successful moving forward. Yeah. And the other thing is, is I think that the losses that they had earlier on in life shaped them to be the winners that they are now. And I bet you that may be with you. That may be with me. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, here's the deal, man. A loss for me sticks with me for like a month. It oh, just, it, it just, man, it, I still remember them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could, I could probably tell you by first name, right? You know, because those losses are, you learn more. I don't want to say learn more, but you definitely learn a, a very good lesson from those losses. And I was talking to a colleague a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, I never say that I lost the deal. Never. You know why? If I if I happen to win it. quote unquote lose a deal, I didn't have it to begin with. Yeah. Okay. It's a situation in my mind that I just flip it and say, I I missed something in in my process that I never had it to begin with. Yeah. And so what that does for me is to say, okay, let's kind of go back and what happened in a conversation, in an email, you know, did I, did I skip a step? Like what happened? And, and I try did I to not follow up on the day that I said I was going to follow up or with. the time that I said I was going to follow up. I try to, to walk myself back and try to pinpoint exactly where I think I went wrong mm-hmm. because then the next time that's not going to happen again. Yeah. Right. I can't stand when someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, I, I, I lost this deal because my price was too high. You know what? You're not a salesman at that yeah. point. People buy you, right? They're buying a service. I don't care what it is you're selling. Would you not agree with that? Oh, absolutely. How, and, and, how, and for the non-salespeople, if you're married, you were a salesperson at one point because you had to convince that other person to say I do as well. Man, right? I, 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 I've said, I think I said on the very first episode, uh, you all were in sales when you were in high school, yeah. in middle school, when you were trying to Just get, try to get a date. when you were trying to get that first guy or girl to give to, to kiss you for your first kiss, you, you were a salesman. When you were trying to get a date for homecoming or a date for the prom, you were a salesman. Some of us get better than others. I was not good in high school. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we failed in it, and then we got good, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of learn from it. Yeah. So bit um but we're all salesmen at some point yep right it's just a matter of what it is that you're trying to gain is to to how that works right so yeah if you're married if you have a girlfriend boyfriend you know whatever it is you had to sell them on something yeah right 
What was your process? <laughs> I like it, man. I like it. Well, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on and stuff. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll wrap it out with that. Um, don't want to go too terribly long, but, you know, as I said at the beginning of this episode, you know, our goal here is to bring value. And um, I always say value because oh, I, if, I, I've, got, I've gotten value just by sitting here and I, and I don't say that too often, you know, Yeah. but we're always trying to better ourselves and put ourselves in, in situations that we can learn from some of the best and just sitting here talking and, and having this positivity between us. Mm-hmm. It motivates me and wants me to get out there and do more. I know. Let's go run through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, leave it at that. Thank you for uh, taking the time to listen. Again, if you found value, please share it. Please rate this podcast and uh, let's help grow this thing. Uh, we just, uh, our goal is to give back to our community and uh, bring you guys maybe a different way of thinking of things. So thanks everybody. Have a good day.